When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. This week I'm talking with Frank Ford, one of the founding members of the improv team, Four Day Weekend, based out of Fort Worth, Texas. He and some of the other members have written a book called Happy Accidents, The Transformative Power of Yes And at Work and in Life. And if you're not familiar with improv, or even if you are, but you aren't familiar with the perspective or approach that is the, quote, yes and, unquote, this is going to be a pretty fun interview for you to listen in on, because Frank goes through and explains, again, I can't say it better than the subtitle for this book, he explains about the transformative power of using that yes and perspective, not only in life, but at work as well. This is a great perspective to apply to your life and your work in a way that is going to bring you positivity and more opportunity and is going to seem antithetical or counterintuitive to productivity. But trust me, it's not. So this week, it is my privilege to welcome Frank Ford from Four Day Weekend. Frank, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Eric. It's an honor and a pleasure to be a guest on your show. So Four Day Weekend is the name of the improv. Is it is it proper to say the word troop or is it a team? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I guess in, in the spirit of uh, Shakespeare, it's, it's good to say troop, uh, but you can also say team because it is a collaborative effort. So we always talk about teamwork and collaboration. So either troop or team will work. There, there isn't an I in either one. So we're good. <laughs> oh, well, well played there. We'll get to that down the road. <laughs> there is an I, That's however, right. in the title of the book, which you guys have written called Happy Accidents. The yes. transformative power of yes and at work and in life. And at first I was like, you know, someone reached out to me and said, hey, would you be interested in talking with somebody from this book and this improv troupe? See, I'm, I'm just going to go with troupe. Uh, and no, it's fine. At, good. First, at first I'm like, wait, so what is this exactly? Is it business or is it comedy or is it? Like, what, what, what is this? And then I realized what it was, and then I was incredibly intrigued, and I said, okay, I have to have somebody come talk about not only the, the improv mindset, but the, this, this yes and thing. Because in some ways, I think some people, some listeners are going to think, well, isn't that the opposite of what you're teaching us to do with productivity, which is to say no to adding too many things to our to-do list, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would seem counterintuitive, but here's here's basically for the listeners who don't know anything about yes and yes and 
is a fundamental philosophy uh, or cornerstone of improvisation, that everything is based on audience suggestions. And the yes and philosophy teaches improvisers that when you're on stage, you need to be present, you need to be in the moment, you need to be active listening, and most importantly, you need to be open to any and all ideas. That's the yes part. Uh, we don't actually say yes and on stage, but it's a mindset, it's a philosophy that you follow. And then the end part, A-N-D, is not only agreeing to an idea, but building on that idea and seeing where it goes. Now, we understand that in life, people have to say no. Uh, we just ask that it be a considerate no. You know, we have found that in life, everybody's default seems to be no or yes, but, which is really a nice no. You know, for instance, if you were to say to me, um, Frank, I really enjoyed our interview, but it was a little bit long. What you really meant to say was it was a little bit long. The but is an acronym for behold the underlying truth. So whatever comes before but, eh, disregard that. Whatever comes after but, that's what you meant to say. But it's really a subversive no. Uh, just like however. However is a nice but. Uh, it's an Ivy League but. It's a but that has a top hat and a monocle, uh, you know, tails and a, and a cane. Um, but it's the same thing as but. However is the same. And we say just make sure that if you say no in life, it's a considerate no, because there are there are times you should say no. Uh, for instance, if you're a parent and you have children and they were to ask you, hey, mom, dad, can I go out and play ball in the middle of traffic uh, at night? You wouldn't, as a parent, say yes and make sure to wear camouflage so that the cars can't see you. You would not say that. You would you would make it a considerate no. You would say yes and let's play ball at the park where it's safer. So you're still playing ball. You're just you know, making sure that you're doing it in a better way. And that's all we're asking to do with the philosophy of yes and. And for those uh, of your listeners who do not know what yes and philosophy is, um, if you've watched Whose Line Is It Anyway, for instance, or you've seen a live show at Second City or the Groundlings or Improv Olympic or Upright Citizens Brigade, or maybe you've been to one of our shows, you know that uh, those shows are based on audience suggestions. And uh, now, as an improviser on stage, it's live. So you have to be open to any and all ideas. Uh, so that's the yes part that you agree. Okay, well, whatever is said, we're just going to go with that. And the end part is building on that idea. Uh, so you yes end that idea. And in our world, there are no wrong answers. There are only higher and lower percentage choices. But we have found throughout our history that yes, ending a seemingly low percentage choice leads to the out of the box, out of left field idea that you normally would have never thought of uh, yourself or as a group. And, and since everything is collaborative, we in improvisation know that what we come up with together is far better than anything we would come up with ourselves. So we have yes ended a lot of low percentage choices or what other people would call mistakes or bad ideas um, into happy accidents. We don't say uh, mistakes. We say happy accidents because uh, far too often uh, these low percentage choices have ended up being these great ideas that have led to all kinds of opportunities. And I'll give a couple examples of that uh, as we continue on with our, our interview. So in life, all we ask, please make sure that your no is a considerate no. But if you have to err on the side of something more often than not, then why not err on the side of yes and? Uh, people get paid very, very well in this life as a CEO or as a manager, a vice president, a business owner to say 
no. Uh, you have to say no as a parent a lot. So we're programmed to say no as our default. And what we're trying to do with the yes and philosophy and teaching it is to make yes and your default. And, and no is more the exception than the rule. There's so many different places that we can go based on what you've already said and based on what I've read in the book. What I'm really getting, the vibe that the yes and is to me is this switch over mentally from a perspective or an approach, whether it's a single person or it's a team, and we can go down both those roads. Yes. Uh, it's this switch of coming from a negative place or a negative outlook or a negative approach and switching over to a positive approach, right? That's exactly right. Look, in this book, when you read you know, uh, our book, Happy Accidents, The Transformative Power of Yes and at Work and in Life, it can apply to you as an individual. Uh, so it's individual development because you're, you're trying to go from more, a more of a negative mindset to a positive mindset. But we get hired as uh, speakers to do keynotes and workshops for all kinds of Fortune 500 companies across the country that want to change their corporate culture from a no culture or a yes, but culture to a yes and culture. And so, yes, basically you're retraining, reprogramming your mind to go from a negative to a positive mindset. And if you want to drift into some of the metaphysical self-help wellness part of the book, you know, that speaks to what we all know as the law of attraction or the laws of attraction, where positive attracts positive, negative attracts negative. And we, as a group, have or, or as individuals have put such a positive vibe out so consistently over so many years that so many great things have come our way. Now, uh, you know, if you go through our timeline, we've uh, we've you know, gosh, there's all kinds of things that we've done. We've gotten uh, the key to the city from uh, the mayor. We've uh, been awarded Small Business of the Year. We've performed a keynote for the United States Congress and met President Obama. We've worked with George W. Bush and Rudy Giuliani and Colin Powell and Fortune 500 companies and all kinds of CEOs from those Fortune 500 companies. We've gotten to travel the world. We did uh, an armed forces entertainment tour for the troops in Europe and throughout the Balkans. Uh, we are the entrepreneurs in residence at the TCU Neely School of Business, which is one of the best business schools in the country and teaching yes and to their graduate students. We sold the show to 20th Century Fox and on and on and on. And none of that stuff would have been possible if we were no or yes but people. It's because we sort of pulled the, the loose thread on that sweater and kind of see what unraveled. Uh, it, that's what led us. And, and yes end has sort of been that, that go-to baseline foundation philosophy that we always default to versus uh, versus no or, or, or yes, but. I know that you guys didn't just suddenly have this all together. You all kind of came to <laughs> it, you know, as fans of comedy and even then kind of getting into and realizing, wait, that's what improv is? Oh, okay, cool. Like, even your uh, background specifically with your McDonald's money and your second city uh, yes. ventures up to Chicago. Uh, talk about that sort that story a little bit and how it relates to this. Well, it's 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 really interesting because you're a hundred percent right. You know, when you first get into comedy, you, you're doing it because you love the art form. You're a fan of comedy. You want to learn improvisation. You want to learn how to perform it well. And a byproduct of improvisation is comedy. It doesn't always have to be, but uh, when it's used in a live performance scenario, it often 
is. You know, Del Close would tell you otherwise. He, he, you know, with Del Close, who's the godfather of improvisation, you might do a herald or a long form uh, scene that, that may last 40 minutes with no laughs. But for our purposes, for entertainment value, we, we use improvisation as a byproduct uh, for, for, for comedy. But when you get into it, that's sort of what you're getting into it for. Now, as you get older and mature, what you realize are the sort of, you know, philosophical aspects of it. it it's, it's, it's fascinating that, you know, w- look, for instance, when we started this business, it was for a six-week run. Um, we had no aspirations beyond six weeks. And six weeks became six months. Six months became six years. Six years became 20 years and counting. And what we realized, you know, after our six-week run was that, oh, this is kind of becoming a business, but we're not business majors. And we said, what are we going to do for our business philosophy? And what hit us was that everything that worked so well or works so well for us as improvisers on stage, using active listening, being present, being in the moment, using the yes and philosophy, co-creating things together, collaborating, uh, making each other look good. All of these things that work so well on stage for improvisation probably would work just as well off stage uh, if we applied it to our business model. And furthermore, it probably would work with our interpersonal relationships at home or with our friends. And sure enough, not being business majors, we just adopted the yes and philosophy as our business model. And sure enough, it, it, it worked just as well with business. Now, when, when you're doing that, so, so that was the first step. It was to go from comedy and making people laugh to applying it to our business as a business model. And then as we began to mature even beyond that, it was how can we apply this to uh, you know, more charitable, philanthropic things uh, associated with our business? And then beyond that, it became more of, hey, why don't we just be yes and people every day in life with our friends, with our family, with people that we meet? It doesn't matter. Let's just adopt this as a philosophy for life. Now, you don't go into it with that. You grow into it. You mature into it. And we certainly did. And our book chronicles sort of the 20-year arc of where we kind of figured those things out uh, along the way. Yeah. And I think that even now, it just struck me that it seems like you're describing the difference between the scarcity mindset and the mindset of having an abundance. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, look, there are so many opportunities out there. You know, it, Louis Pasteur once said that chance favors the prepared mind, right? So, you know, if you go into it with the yes and attitude or more of a positive attitude, you're not only going to create more opportunities for yourself, but you're going to recognize opportunities more clearly or when they happen. Far too often, st- because we're in our negative uh, world or bubble or we're very self-centered or just focused on ourselves, we miss so many opportunities. They come and go. They blow by us at the speed of light. And, and, and you know, we think – uh, you know, you take sort of that victim consciousness where you're like, ah, the world's against me. There's nothing out there for me, you know. <laughs> but if you were to get out of that bubble and start to kind of look around and look at the people who are in your life who, 
you know, are, are bringing something to the table that you're not. You know, that's another thing about all this is that you honor each other's perspectives. I mean, you, Eric, are uh, an expert in something I'm not. And if you're working with me or part of my team, you're going to bring something to the table that I don't. And if we honor each other's uh, different perspectives and play to each other's strengths, well, there's all kinds of things that, that can be done. But again, we blow by those oppor- opportunities because we're just you know self-absorbed in our own world or we're in a negative mindset. The opportunities are there. You know, The universe presents them to you on a regular basis. It's just whether or not you have the awareness to recognize them or not. I still love stand-up comedy. I also love improv, but you guys kind of make that distinction of, you know, stand-up comedy is kind of a solo thing where it's about uh, it's about mm-hmm. the me, but the improv is about the we. Yes. And but again, stand-up comedy is still, you know, it's not a bad thing. It's just that there's so many things that could go wrong when there's multiple people involved that right. you have to have that proactive positive approach and then start to work at it from there to have that paradigm shift. Um, because you've got to get to that point of accepting other people's ideas and uh, having that inclusive attitude, especially when you – I love that you guys talk about the fact that that everybody else is, is an expert in something that I am not. Yeah, right. Right, exactly. And, and, and like I said, we know that what we come up with together is going to be far better than what we come up with individually that's the essence of uh, of improvisation you, you know but we've all we've all learned how to grow and, and trust each other and 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 that's where the group mind in improvisation comes in when they when they talk about the group mind yeah everybody's on the same page on the same frequency but most importantly everybody on that stage is subscribing to the yes and philosophy. We are all agreeing, uh, whether consciously or subconsciously, spoken or unspoken, to the same set of rules of positivity. We have to. You have to agree on that because, like you said, uh, there's 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 so many moving parts because you have all these different people. Plus, you have an audience that's uh, engaged and interacting and watching it. So you do. It's a very complex, uh, multi-faceted uh, machine. Uh, inner workings a machine that are working. But you know, if you keep all the pieces well oiled and moving along at the same time, yeah, you're not going to have a, a breakdown. Um, and yes, to your point, you know, bringing up the stand-up. You know, angle in the book, uh, and stand-up comedy is a great art form, and we know a lot of great stand-up comedies. But but you are a monologist; it's your story. You're in the spotlight with one microphone, and it's all about you. Um, and in improv, it's all about the we versus the me. And we say that we go from ego to we go because the thing that gets in everybody's way. Uh, throughout their entire life. And I don't care if it's at home, as a parent, as a child, uh, in school, in business. The ego, if it's left unchecked and uncontrolled, if you just let ego run every decision that you're making, that's going to cause problems uh, for you and for people around you. And so what we do is we say, of course, you're going to need some element of the ego to do what we do, but it's a controlled version of the ego. And we're able to channel it into the we go part. We go meaning we, as in all of us, go somewhere exciting and new each time we collaborate and work together. That's what the we go is. And I think this could be a pretty intoxicating or actually probably better word is an infectious um, 
this could be a pretty infectious uh, perspective, especially when you start acting this out, or I should say living this out inside of your teams, like in your business or at, at work. Yeah, you know, you know, it's really funny because yes, it is very infectious. And when we do keynotes and workshops, um, either for, uh, you know, small or medium or, or even large companies, doesn't matter where we do it. It's an interactive workshop. So it's a lot of fun. But the epiphany people have is that afterwards, you know, look, we grow up uh, or taught uh, that it's a dog eat dog world. You know, it's uh, every man or woman for themselves. It's uh, I got to play company or business politics to climb the corporate ladder of success. And I don't care who I need to step on to get there. Well, the truth of the matter is we're not hardwired that way as human beings. We're really not. That is not how we're hardwired. We are compassionate. We want to be helpful. We believe in community. It's why we sit in a dark movie theater together and watch something at the same time. We're very communal in nature. That's how we're hardwired. We're empathetic towards people. That's how we're hardwired. All of that other stuff that I mentioned before, that's how you're programmed to act in business. But is that really the best way we should be acting? Uh, You know, our argument is, No, no, it isn't. You know, it's, you know, Machiavelli once famously said, it's better to be feared than to be loved. Is it? Is it really Machiavelli? Is it better to be feared than to be loved? No, that's programming. You know, a fear-based approach to life uh, uh, or a control-based approach to business or life, that's programming. That is not who you are. It is without a shadow of a doubt better to be loved than to be feared. So you just need to decide what environment do you want to improvise in? Because the bottom line is this, Eric, you're an improviser. You're, you're winging it on this interview or this, this Skype call with me uh, <laughs> as much as I am. So you're improvising. So, so everybody is an improviser. Every single day we improvise. I'm not, I'm just, I use improvisation in the form of a comedy show, but we all improvise. Your day is not scripted. So since you're already improvising like me anyway, well, why not adopt an improv philosophy like yes and, and make your improv like our improv, not only on stage better, but in life better. So what we're saying to everybody is, Look, you're an improviser just like us. Use the same exact tools that we use as improvisers on stage in your life. It works just as well. And and what people realize out of these workshops and keynotes is, you know, some of it's common sense stuff. It's almost like, wait a minute, hold on now. Are you telling me that if we all work together and, and maybe be more empathetic that, oh, wait, hold on. Tell me more about this empathy thing you mentioned there that you humans have this we're we're hardwired to be empathetic with each other i mean it's it's that kind of a thing and i think it's just a reawakening of some of those ideas or values or philosophies that we all inherently intrinsically know it's just that we haven't practiced them in a while and what yes end allows you to do is begin to practice them for free on an everyday basis or however many times you want to to kind of push you or inch you in in the more yes and positive direction. 
Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond. Again, go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond. Okay. So speaking on that note, somebody who is listening and they're like, you know, this sounds appealing. I could get on board with this. How would you suggest they start moving in the direction of practicing saying yes and not literally, but like figuratively or perspective wise on maybe say a small scale to test this out? Well, my, for instance, in, in, in my case, uh, you know, my girlfriend uh, wanted to um, take dance lessons and, and, you know, I'm, I'm not, in my opinion, the greatest dancer. I'll dance in the spirit of yes, and I'll dance. I look like a dork doing it, but I'll do it. I don't want to be a wallflower, but a dance class. Well, I don't know how, how good of a dancer. And my first inclination was to say no to that. Like, ah, why don't we do this or pick something else? But in the spirit of yes, and I said, you know what? Yeah, yeah, why not? Yes, yes, let's, okay, we'll take a dance class together. I could learn to ballroom dance. Why not? I could learn to do the tango. Is it going to kill me? No, of course. And then it'll be something new and exciting that I'll learn. So there's incremental things that you can do in your personal life with your friends or family. Uh, uh, and and then, then now that is a uh, more of a, okay, this is sort of an action without saying yes. And I'll give you an example of, of of one of our founding members, David Ahern, okay. uh, and David Wilk also does this uh, bit where he used yes and uh, in his home life, um, literally. So we did a workshop, and we I'm not going to mention the company or the CEO, but it's a very well-known company and CEO of a Fortune 500 company. And they were taking the workshop, 
and the CEO got up with his admin and they were going to do a round of yes and. And we always ask the person who kicks it off to start with a declarative statement and then you yes and based on that. No judgment, just yes and. So she said, this was her opening line, Eric. She said, today I went to Maui and I laid out on the beach. And the CEO responded, yes and. When I laid out on the beach, I uh, laid out there for too long. I ended up getting a third degree sunburn and I had to be rushed to the emergency room. Now, that was his yes end, which isn't really <laughs> a, a good, a positive yes end. It's a subversive yes end. Now, to her credit, it volleys back to her and she said yes. And when I was in the emergency room, I met a doctor who became the love of my life and the man of my dreams, and we ended up getting married. Now, this is a woman who understands that you can yes end around a speed bump or an obstacle, right? But the CEO had a very subversive, negative, no attitude going into it. So then Ahern decided after that uh, workshop, that corporate workshop, that he was going to use that same example at home with his children, uh, Bella and Carson, who I believe were uh, 10 years old and eight years old uh, at the time. This is just a few years ago. So they were in the car and they're driving around. He says, hey, kids, do you, do you guys want to play yes end as a family? And they said, yeah. And he said, all right, I'll start. And he used the same declarative statement or setup line that the admin did. He said, I guess, today I went to Maui and I laid out on the beach. And his son, Carson, said, yes, and after I laid out on the beach, I took a swim in the ocean and I was kissed by a magic dolphin. Then Bella said, yes, and after I was kissed by a magic dolphin, I got the powers to breathe underwater and I found the lost city of Atlantis. Now, in three lines, David Ahern, playing with his kids at home, found the lost city of Atlantis. In two lines, a CEO of a major Fortune 500 company had third degree sunburns and was in an emergency room. Now, you have to ask yourself, who would you rather brainstorm and yes and with? These kids who found the lost city of Atlantis or the CEO that uh, is screaming in the emergency room with third degree sunburn? <laughs> That is an example of how, say, a parent could use it literally. And it's fascinating when you do it with children because they are not shackled or constrained by the same things that we adults are. You know, one of the things we do is we'll ask a room. We've asked this. We'll ask a room full of people in the workshop. We'll say, how many people here paint or are painters or have painted? And usually one hand, maybe goes up. And if it goes up, it's very half-hearted and they're ashamed. And then what we tell them is, you know, we've asked that very same question to a room full of children and how many hands go up. And without, uh, a, 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 without missing a beat, everybody, every adult in the room says, all of them. And then we say, now, why do you think every child thinks they're a painter? It's because they are. And by the way, I didn't ask you, the room of adults, if you were Picasso or Monet. I said, can anyone paint? Any painters? You could, you could have taken a roller in a paint and painted a wall. It makes you a painter. Yet everybody here somewhere along the way 
told themselves, I'm not a painter. That's it. Nope. I'm not a painter. I'm an accountant, but I'm not a painter. Okay. Well, how many other things in your life have you told yourself, I'm not this, I'm not that? If you ask a kid, hey, who's a dancer? All the hands go up. Who's, who's a painter? All the hands go up. Who's a singer? All the hands go up. It's because they haven't been, they haven't had it beaten out of them by us yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they haven't, they haven't it. had an experience <laughs> in life where they've seen somebody else do something so well. And then they say, well, I can't do that or we can't do that. Right. But, but again, I didn't say, are you Picasso? Like painter as yeah. in Picasso. All I'm saying is, are, do you have the ability to dip a brush in a bottle or, or can of paint and put it on a canvas and express yourself artistically? That's all I'm at. Anyone can do that. You could even use your finger and finger paint. The thing is, is that, yes, what adults do is they start to compare themselves to other people and things. And that's where judgment comes in. And by the way, you know, everybody thinks that, oh, you know, my office coworkers are going to judge me or my boss is going to judge me or this person's going to judge me or my family's going to judge me. At the end of the day, the person who judges you the most is you. You, you're the one who shackles yourself, who handcuffs yourself, who tells you, oh, I'm not as good as Picasso. I'm never going to touch another paintbrush as long as I live. Okay, why would you do this? Why, why, is, any, why is this in any way thinking uh, that should be rewarded on some level. You're, you're just, you're, you're, you know, the thing about, uh, the thing about saying no in life is that it gives you the uh, illusion, by the way, the illusion of control and you shut the door to any and all possibilities. We're saying yes. And means, yeah, you're going to relinquish control on some level. But you're also opening up the door to all kinds of possibilities. And it's only through our own self-judgment and our no mentality do we box ourselves in, paint ourselves into this corner that we think, ah, well, this is where I'm at. There's no way out. You know, it, 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 it's, it's sad to see, you know, uh, adults that are, are – are, they they they're imprisoned, but it's like a self-imposed form of imprisonment. You have the keys, you know, to yeah. the shackles. Well, you can just walk away anytime you want. So let's go back to that CEO person because I think we all know people that are like that, and we <laughs> yes. we have to we have to live with them, we have to work with them. Yes. How how do you suggest then that we go about starting to plant the seeds of the yes and philosophy in say a team that has people like that on it? Well, here here's the thing, and I'll, and I'm going to go back to what you said about it being infectious. It takes far fewer people to be sort of the catalyst or impetus for the yes end to take hold than it is for negativity. Ne the negativity uh, is, is, is very fleeting in the face of the positivity of something like a yes end. So what happens is, is you start to get a couple of people. You, by the way, you, you start with yourself. You make the commitment I'm going to be a more positive yes and type of person. And what happens is, is that that becomes much more infectious around people than, say, negativity does. 
and, and once you get a small group of those yes and people kind of working and collaborating and being positive, man, it spreads like wildfire. Uh, you, you know, there is the uh, there's a video on YouTube and it's a bunch of people at a concert and they're sitting on a hillside. Right. And they're listening to the music. And in the video, I can't remember the name of it, but in the video, one person gets up and starts to dance. Right. And everybody on the hillside is laughing at this guy. I mean, they're pointing their fingers. They're laughing. They're like, look how stupid this guy looks. What a moron. But he just keeps dancing. He keeps dancing, keeps dancing, keeps dancing. And then after about a minute, two minutes into the video, another person gets up with him and decides to dance. Just out of the blue, starts dancing too. Now you got two people. So the first guy was the yes in the yes end. And then the second guy was the end in the yes end. He was building on the yes. And after that second guy got up, it was just, um, it's a, you can watch the video. It's a matter of a minute, maybe when almost everybody on the hillside is just having a good time and dancing. And there's like two or three people that are just still sitting there with a frown on their face, you know, kind of moping on the hillside. That video is a visual representation of the human condition and, and, and who we are as a species and really how little it takes to go in that positive direction. One guy starts dancing, he's the yes. The second guy starts dancing, he's the end. And before you know it, the whole hillside is dancing and away we go. I know that you guys as a team, as an improv team, have had different members come in and go out. And so how do you handle that? How do you instill the yes and when you've got people coming in that are new to the group? You know, uh, well, there's a, there's a lot of people that have come up through our training center. You know, we teach classes and we've uh, earmarked certain students uh, to bring into the, the main cast. So if they're coming up through our training center, they're learning about our version of the yes and philosophy and how it applies to four day from the get go. Um, but to your point, there's some new people that come in and, you know, they understand the fundamental building blocks of yes and. But we work with them. Um, and, and, you know, we're all friends off stage. So, you know, we spend a lot of time with each other. And through osmosis, through practice of yes and both on stage and off, these people begin to adapt sort of to our culture. And, and that's what we talk about with, with companies. You, you know, we, we'll say, look, you know, this isn't like going to the gym one day and lifting or working out and saying, okay, I'm in shape. I went to the gym one day. I'm done. No, of course not. If anyone told you, they say, well, you're not in shape. You just went to the gym one day. Well, well practicing yes end is the same as going to a gym. You got to keep at it. You got to retrain all the, you got to reprogram your mind after all these years or decades of saying no. So it takes work to do that. Uh, but over time, yes, everybody starts to really embrace the yes end philosophy because they're like, oh, okay, we're not just giving it lip service. We're really practicing this. And we say that to our corporate clients. You know, you can't just take this workshop or this keynote and then go off and it's business as usual. You really have to open up your minds uh, to, you know, making sure that everybody in your organization is heard. Because what we have found is, you know, uh, 
the loudest person or the know-it-all gets the most attention. But there's a lot of people in companies that are introverted. They're quiet. They don't say very much, but they've got great ideas. But they're being drowned out by the bravado and the machismo and the office plates that's too often rewarded. And so, you know, if these people really feel like, okay, I'm really in a yes and culture, I can speak, they'll do it. And at first when we get new people, they're kind of like looking at us with a, you know, watchful eye, like, hey, is this for real? Are you really yes then? And then they get into it and they see, okay, yeah, all right, we, we do it on stage, but you guys do this off stage too. And then they find out, oh, we do it off stage too. And then they start to come to us with ideas. Uh, and this is a real quick example of a great yes end idea that came out of our staff. We had hired uh, somebody to be our technical and lighting director. Now, this is a person who runs the lights and the sounds for the show, but they are not in the show. They're up in the booth and they they run all the lights and, and, and the sound cues. Well, because we really have a yes end culture, this person who is not trained in improvisation over time began to trust and have enough confidence that he could bring an idea to management, the owners, me, uh, David Wilk and David Ahern, without being chastised or made to feel stupid. So our lighting director one day uh, came up to us after he noticed that we were chastising people in our audience for having their their phones out because as you know social media now i mean look we're doing <laughs> yes. this via skype via skype it, it, it's amazing technology is great however it can be annoying especially when you go to dinner and the first thing somebody does when the food arrives is pull out their camera to take a picture of their food take a picture of you a selfie of you and the food uh checking in it can get in the way of an organic human moment, right? And and same thing with theater. You know, we are purists in a lot of ways when it comes to theater. And when we saw people with their smartphones out videotaping the show or on their sh uh, phones during the show, we thought, oh, my God, that's so inconsiderate. They're being insulting. And we would put up a slide that says, put your phones away. Uh, you know, don't do this. Don't do that. Well, from our perspective of doing 5,500 shows from the stage, it looked from our perspective that people were being rude. Now, our lighting director, he sits up in the booth behind the audience. And remember what I said about honoring other people's perspective? Well, we have a view from the stage. That's our perspective. He has a view, a bird's eye view, no less, of the audience from behind the audience. Well, what was he seeing? He wasn't seeing people being rude. What he was seeing were people tweeting about how great the show is, giving us five stars on Facebook, you know, giving us likes on Facebook. He saw people commenting on how much fun they were having. And here we are thinking they're being rude and telling them, stop doing that. Stop giving us five star reviews. Stop liking us. Stop tweeting about how much fun you're having. Put that thing away. Well, once he told us that, our paradigm shifted. And he went on to say, furthermore, I think we should incorporate social media into the show. People are already on their phones commenting about how much fun they're having. Why don't we ask them to do something at intermission that we can use as a creative element in the show? So we came up with taking uh, pictures from everybody's camera rolls. They posted them on our Facebook page at intermission. After intermission, we would come back, we'd pick a few photos, and we would do an improvised scene 
on that person's photo. That element is still in the show. It's been in the show now for years. But here is the ripple effect of, yes, ending what is seemingly a mistake or a bad idea from somebody within your culture, your corporate culture or business culture that you normally wouldn't you know, entertain otherwise or they wouldn't feel they were able to speak or voice their opinion or idea. The ripple effect was our Facebook and, and social media presence shot through the roof. If you go to our Facebook page, the four-day weekend Facebook page, and look at the amount of five-star reviews and likes that we have, we're like number one or two in the entire country now. And what was the ripple effect of that? Well, when we were shopping the coasts, east and west, for publishers for our book, guess what was one of the questions they asked us? Hey, so what's uh, your presence like on social media? Oh, wow. <laughs> you, you know, I, I, it's funny you ask that. Uh, actually, it's amazing. And it's one of the things, one of the components that helped get us our publisher, John Wiley and Sons. Um, and our book, which came out, hit the national bestseller list a few weeks ago. Now, now we are sitting on a national bestselling book. And if you go back all the way to the new person that you were asking about who came into our culture and how do they adopt the yes end. That is an example of how someone in our company that was not associated with performing helped yes end what we thought was a mistake or, or people being rude into an element into the show, which ultimately ended up helping us get a publisher. And can we say that our lighting director is partly responsible for the best-selling book that you read? Yes, of course, because again, what we come up with together is far better than anything we would come up with individually. That is probably the best place for us to land, I think. That okay. Any, that, that anything... <laughs> did I stick the landing on I that? Did, I think you did. <laughs> I mean, that, that what we can do together is better than anything that we can, that we do on our own. And it yeah, all comes I, down to this philosophy or this, uh, better better put, this perspective and approach of yes and. So I really, I, I, to be honest, I loved this book. I thought it was great read. It's, yeah. it's one part autobiography, one part business book, one part... F well, funny. I don't know how you translate the, that. It's humorous. Yeah. There you go. And um, yeah, humor is the spoonful of sugar that makes the medicine yeah. go down, right? Yeah. It is. You know, and, and it, look, if you extrapolate from that example and you apply it to, say, a business or even our country, if, if you looked at our country and said, hey, what we come up with together is far better than what we would come up with individually. I mean, doesn't it apply across all boards, all sizes, all groups. I, I mean, it's such a universal philosophy that can apply to anyone or anything, really. Yeah, exactly. Well, Frank, it has been awesome to talk with you. I highly encourage everybody to go grab this book. I will link it up in the show notes so people can click through and grab it very easily. And hopefully, uh, people will be able to check out also all the stuff that you guys are doing as a group. And I'll link that up in the show notes as well. Oh, well, thank you, sir. Eric, listen, it has been a joy and a pleasure speaking with you. It, it, you're a great interviewer, and, and, and I really enjoyed being on your show. Thank you so much for having me on as a guest, really. Thanks, Frank. 
I hope that you're walking away from this conversation with Frank Ford with some high energy motivation and some incentive, some experience from hearing their experiences using the yes and approach to start trying that out in your life and start seeing opportunities as opportunities or even happy accidents. You can find out more about their book as well as check out the sponsors for this episode at the show notes. You can find those show notes at beyondthetodolist.com slash 199. Make sure to check out the sponsors for this episode. Formstack, so that you can create beautiful branded forms for many different purposes quickly and easily. Go to formstack.com slash beyond to get a free trial and 25% off your first three months. Thanks again to FreshBooks for offering a free 30-day trial to claim that and get paid quicker and faster and more, as well as time track and expense track quickly and easily. Again, go to freshbooks.com slash to do. That's freshbooks.com slash T-O-D-O. And then enter beyond the to-do list in the how did you hear about us section to support the show. And thanks again to ZipRecruiter. You can post jobs on ZipRecruiter free right now by going to ziprecruiter.com slash beyond. Find out how easy it can be to hire the right people by doing it the smart way. Use ZipRecruiter.com slash beyond. And with that, I'd like to say thank you to you for listening, and I will see you next episode. Hey, thanks for listening to the end. If you're looking for a show to start helping you apply these productivity lessons on your business, check out Millionaire University. It's real lessons from real entrepreneurs teaching you what you need to know to improve your business or start one if you've been putting it off. It covers all aspects of business from starting, marketing, growing, managing, and everything in between, wearing all the hats. And as an added bonus, I am conducting a number of those conversations, those interviews, so you'll fit right in. Again, that's Millionaire University. Just search for it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast.